This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Election season is heating up and it looks like some of the campaigns are going to be nasty. As a matter of fact, some are already kind of nasty. As we have mentioned before, a third party lobby group called Engage Canada, which is funded by unions, has been running an ad targeting conservative leader Andrew Scheer. And they spent lots of money to run it on TV during the NBA finals. And the campaign is called Sheer Weakness. He's a yes man to the 1%. He'd say yes to tax cuts for the richest Canadians. And big business? He'd say yes to their tax cuts too. Following Doug Ford with conservative health care cuts? Hell yes. Sheer's a yes man to them, and that means no to you. Okay, so uh, that was it, trying to tie Andrew Shear to Doug Ford. And meanwhile, the latest poll does not look good for any of the party leaders, except Elizabeth May of the Green Party. The leaders of the three major political parties have net disapproval ratings. Justin Trudeau, for instance, has a net disapproval of 56%. Andrew Shear. 45% and 40% disapprove of Jugmeet Singh. Meanwhile, can't that's from Forum Research. Campaign Research also has a poll with good news for the Green Party showing that they're in a statistical tie with the NDP. So what does it all mean? What do you think of it? Do you like those negative ads? Do you think they're effective? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And right now, I'd like to bring in William Shatton, who is the Vice President of Research and Analytics at Forum Research, and Richard Chano, who is a Principal at Campaign Research and former President of PC Ontario. Welcome. Thank you both for being with us. Pleasure. Thanks, Libby. Hi. Okay, let's start with Richard. How effective do you think those uh, anti-sheer ads are? Well, I mean, specifically, uh, I guess there's the two uh, I, I saw watching Raptures the other night. Uh, the Engage Canada one where they're flicking uh, the bobblehead, I guess, is the theme of it there. Uh, you know, I mean, I would say, look, uh, on the one hand, uh, it's uh, effective insofar as, you know, I think if you make attack ads at the tone of which is too dire and negative, you know, people are quicker to tune it out uh, and, and sort of, you know, want to not really like it much, let's say, or be interested in it. They, they have a kind of lighthearted feel because of the, the flicking the bobblehead, I guess, on that side. Uh, OK, that's that's a positive for the ads. On the other side, you know, when you're trying to do the sort of guilt by association attack, I just, I have a hard time. I mean, look, we're in June uh, of an election that's going to culminate in October. Uh, I have a hard time believing that by the time uh, uh, all is said and done, when we get to October, uh, the attack line that's going to be effective uh, 
for for sort of pro liberal call it forces let's call it for what it is uh, is going to be you know the guilt by association of Ford. I think it's more likely that that sort of national issues and the national uh, narrative is going to come to the fore for by then and the issues that are that are at stake uh, you know countrywide. So so you know and I, I guess it. Uh, you know, attack ads uh, definitely work. I mean, people say on the surface they don't like them, but they do remember them and they remember the attack lines. I'm not sure that the sort of guilt by association uh, line uh, of tying Shear to Ford is ultimately going to be that substantial uh, in the equation by the time we reach Election Day. William Shatton, were you surprised that all of the three major leaders had net disapproval ratings? Yeah, no, it's not uh, It's not a surprise. We've been seeing this for quite a while, um, especially with, with Trudeau. Uh, right now, people don't really know Andrew Scheer. Um, you know, he's, he hasn't been the leader for that long. Uh, the campaign period hasn't really started. So that's why his ads, the official Conservative Party ads, are really kind of get to know Andrew Scheer, try and portray him as this relatable, middle-class, uh, everyday person's politician. Um, so it's, you know, it's still kind of early days, and the same story is even more true for Jagmeet Singh. Um, whereas Elizabeth May has, has the highest approval rating uh, of all the leaders, and we're seeing that the Greens are really kind of capitalizing on this, capitalizing on environmental issues, and are really growing their support base right now, which is only for the detriment of the Liberals. So a lot of disenfranchised environmentalists are shifting away from where they would have been previously voting Liberal to now are supporting the Greens uh in historical numbers right now. Richard, how do you see this as a strong showing for Elizabeth May? Does it perhaps have anything to do with the fact that she's very unlikely to be the next prime minister? Yeah, I mean, look, I'd add to what William said. It's a, it's to the detriment of the Liberals, also to I think to the detriment of the uh, of the NDP as well. And I, I think some of that. I mean, they're definitely the Greens seem to be at a, a bit of a high watermark uh, here in terms of support. Uh, we have in the past seen that the Greens perform better in pre-election polls than they actually do at the polls in the election where uh, the national narrative kind of takes over and they tend to get left behind. So uh, there's there's definitely some new strength there. Uh, whether it'll hold through uh, Election Day remains to be seen, uh, and, uh, and, and it certainly is uh, going to have an effect on... Uh, on both the Liberals and the NDP in terms of a bit of a downdraft in their uh, potential support. Well, uh, your recent poll shows them in a statistical tie with the NDP, and I have not heard many good things about Jagmeet Singh. He seems to have made almost no impression at all. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that's true. I mean, we haven't really seen any... uh, uh, strength there since uh, his uh, election as leader, really, and uh, and that does seem to be be having uh, left leaning and and environmental minded voters uh, looking uh, at the Green Party in, in bigger numbers, and it was to their benefit in the Nanaimo uh, Lady Smith uh, uh, by election there, where, where they were able to get their historic uh, uh, second seat and high water mark in terms of uh, of seats in Parliament, and, and then of, of course they were also uh, very uh, competitive in the uh, PEI provincial election as well. At a level that, that hasn't been seen before, where they where they formed the official opposition, so uh, it, it does seem to be. I, I think it is a combination of uh, weakness in the in the NDP uh, that and uh, that that is is driving some of this interest in the uh, Green Party. 
William Shatton, do you see this as a bigger threat for the NDP or for the liberals? And is it just good news for the conservatives if if people leave the the larger parties for the Green Party kind of in in equal or in numbers, you know, from both those parties? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like Richard said, though, you do tend to see these kind of swells, not as high as this, but you do see these swells. Uh, for the Green prior to uh, Election Day. What happens around Election Day is, is potentially the, the option for strategic voting, where maybe supporters of the Green Party recognize that their candidate might not win, so they actually cast their ballot for a different party who has a higher chance of winning. Uh, the lines would closer to their values. So right now, uh, yes, uh, the vote is kind of being split between three parties uh, on the left, uh, and the Conservatives uh, only benefit from that structure. But uh, as it gets closer to Election Day, people may start voting or tend to vote strategically as opposed to who they actually support. And again, that falls back on one of the uh, campaign promises that Trudeau didn't deliver on, uh, where he was kind of opening up electoral reform um, as a potential issue to to review and change. But that fell through. Um, So the current system just benefits, uh, the first past the post system benefits the winner-take-all approach. Let's take a call from William in Toronto. Hi, William. Hello, Lib. Um, I'm a lifelong Big C conservative. I have my standards and my values and my ethics, and there's no way I can vote for my own party. Uh, there's a lot of New World Order rot that has infiltrated and a lot of fake conservatives, and I can see it, and I can't vote for them. Uh, Maxime Bernier had 50% of the vote. He just got... the uh, 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 kicked out. He just got, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, he did not get elected because of a few, uh, dairy farmers, and that's how Andrew Shear got in. Uh, Maxime Bernier of the People's Party of Canada is, a, uh, the only person and the real, only real conservative that's capable and qualified to be Prime Minister of Canada. I'm very happy that the poll says that, uh, uh, Canadians are not satisfied with any of the leaders. And these attack ads, I don't like attack ads, but these attack ads on Andrew Scheer are truthful. Okay, so. William, we'll, we'll run that by our panel. Thanks very much. I haven't even seen Maxime Bernier yeah. mentioned in any of your surveys. Richard? Well, that's, that's because there, he's not really on the map. I mean, he's we've included uh, the People's Party in our... Uh, in our research, uh, and uh, it, it uh, he just has, has fallen off. Uh, there's there's really been little national interest uh, in in uh, Maxime Bernier or the People's Party. William, is that what you're finding? Yeah, same same on our end. So there's very low single digit uh, support. He hasn't really kind of picked up any ground. Uh, not projected to win any seats. Um, you know, we are monitoring it, but uh, he's not really gaining any traction right now. Um, but this, uh, your last caller kind of speaks to why these attack ads are important right now. You know, he sounds like he's a little disenfranchised, uh, with, with, with Doug Ford and connecting Doug Ford with Andrew Shear is an effective strategy right now in Ontario. Ontario is very vote rich. So perhaps this may not have an impact in, in come October, especially since the provincial government has taken this, this recess now until after the election. A lot of speculation that Andrew Shear kind of leaned on Doug Ford to stay out of the spotlight until after the election because they recognize that uh, Ontarians are not super happy with Doug Ford right now. 
And it is very easy for the left to paint this portrait that Andrew Scheer is the yes man or is very similar to Doug Ford. So maybe by the time election rolls around, uh, the, this connection with Andrew Scheer and Doug Ford won't play such a role. But right now, um, you know, it is having an impact on the, on the vote predictions. And Richard, do you think that it's a good strategy? Well, again, I, I, I understand uh, William's uh, uh, saying, and, and uh, he's right in, in so far as the uh, clearly, you know, the, the, the uh, Doug Ford PCs are in the first uh, year, have just come out of the first year of their, of their mandate. Uh, you know, they're, they've done some unpopular uh, things. Again, not unusual for the, the government to try and get that stuff uh, going and out of the way early on in a mandate. And, and it does have some uh, some some splash effect on uh, on Andrew Shear again. Though I just I just go back to I, I find it very unlikely, given the the uh, high profile of national issues. And you have to remember that the generally speaking, ten or fifteen percent more uh, Canadians vote in uh, federal elections than do in provincial elections. Uh, historically, there is more interest in national issues, uh, the national sort of narrative uh, and discussion. I find it hard to believe that that leading into October 21st, uh, uh, this kind of guilt by association approach of saying, oh, Andrew Scheer is, is uh, whatever, not going to stand up to Doug Ford or is Doug Ford's yes man. I, I just don't think it's likely that's going to be uh, the ballot question for, for most people going to the polls. I think it only, if any, reach at all that it has, it's only in Ontario, which which granted is a significant battleground. But, but moreover, again, I don't think it's going to be what's going to be driving people's uh, thinking as they head into the polls in October. Now, the Toronto Star has a story about a, quote, exclusive interview with Andrew Shear, where he is insisting that he is his own man, and they run the word own in brackets. Uh, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not sure this this is the kind of coverage that's going to make him look strong. Is, is this whole tack a successful tack, Richard Ciano? Uh, again, I, I think uh, you know he he uh, has got to rely on the fact uh, and, and and emphasize the contrast with uh, Justin Trudeau. If 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 uh, Andrew Shear is allow, allowing himself to sort of be distracted by conversations uh, about uh, the Ontario PC government, Doug Ford, etc., that that's not where he wants to be. He wants to have his focus on. Uh, and to make his case about uh, Justin Trudeau as prime minister and the many failings that that uh, that he uh, wants to discuss and sees there on SNC level and uh, on you know uh, William mentioned electoral reform on on uh, all, all the various issues uh, that that uh, on on pipelines and and so forth so and carbon tax etc. So that's really where he wants uh, uh, to keep the focus and and really to sort of treat any of these discussions about. Uh, you know, his connection to one or other, other premier, et cetera, is very much on the back burner. And there are some observers who say that they think that uh, the bleeding uh, that Justin Trudeau has been suffering has been stopped, that he's kind of getting back into it. I'm wondering, do you see it that way? He's had a lot of bad news, probably starting with that India trip. Uh, not a not not been a very good, you know, almost... Uh, what is it, the last year for Justin Trudeau? William Shatton, do you see any sign that he's recovering from that? Yeah, so, I mean, his popularity did drop substantially 
at the beginning of 2019, obviously with the SNC Loudwin uh, issue and then his two cabinet minister, ministers resigning. Uh, and that has sort of dropped out of the news cycle. Um, people are kind of forgetting about it, moving on. So we are seeing slightly uh, increased support for the Liberal Party now that that issue has kind of subsided. Um, so they are gaining a little bit. Uh, and then it'll, it'll be very interesting to go into the actual campaign period. Uh, Justin Trudeau did a very good job campaigning last year, or sorry, last election. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he does this year. Uh, some of his major talking points have maybe been taken away from him uh, due to the snc Lavalin issue with Jody Wilson-Raybould designing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he portrays himself uh, during this campaign period and if he's able to kind of win back some of that approval from, from Canadians that's really missing right now. Richard, uh, Trudeau's approval rating is just 34%, and the the line of the Conservatives is not as advertised. He's not the guy he says he is. Is that a good tack to take to continue with? Well, I think, uh, and yeah, the ad uh, and the discussions that I've seen have been around, you know, broken things, broken promises, things that he, you know, said he would deliver. And, and William's right. They ran a, the Liberals ran sort of a good, they ran a good retail campaign last time. Well, unfortunately, what that means is they promised things uh, uh, in hindsight that they haven't been able uh, to, to deliver on. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think there is some traction, particularly again, the, you know, the new tone. It, it's uh, you know, parties get a little bit sucked into the, you know, we're going to be different, uh, you know, accountability, uh, roll out from all voices, and then, and then you run into a thing like SNC Lavalin, where you're you're firing uh, and turfing out of uh, your party high profile uh, uh, and popular uh, women uh, cabinet ministers, right? So there's definitely been uh, damage to the brand, as William sort of pointed out, you know that that they're definitely. I wouldn't. I don't know if there's been a recovery yet. I'm not sure that we've seen that. You know, when when folks have a decline in their in their favorability and in their numbers, it tends to be kind of a step ladder type of thing. So you you know, obviously uh, uh, January and the the breaking of the whole SNC uh, level and uh, issue, you know, kind of touched off uh, the, the current uh, the downdraft that the Liberals went into. And and yes, it does seem to have uh, have uh, hit uh, a bit of a floor there now, and that it isn't continuing down. Uh, but it's gone from being in January. A much less competitive uh, uh, sort of national uh, campaign to being one that is clearly uh, very competitive with uh, between the uh, the Liberals and the Conservatives. So uh, it, it's a different. Uh, it, we're at the stage now where the campaign is really going to matter, and uh, and what plays out over these next several months leading to October twenty first are really going to matter. Well, you know, interesting, just today uh, we had Eric Hoskins release his report on Pharmacare. I think we were all expecting that that's going to be a keystone of the Liberal campaign. We have to see how important that is. Yes, absolutely. And again, uh, you know, they're going to, the difference between this campaign for the Liberals and the last one is where, whereas last campaign, I think they were taken more or less at, at face value that they were going to deliver on the things that they that they promised. They're going to have a little, they can promise a lot more this campaign, but I think people are going to be looking at it with a more skeptical eye, given given uh, a lot of the, the lack of sort of tick boxes from the campaign from the, from the, campaign from the last uh, election. William, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I, you know, I also see that, um, you know, the Liberals are, are trying right now to 
earn back some of these environmental voters as well, right, with the recent kind of announcement about banning single-use plastics uh, as yeah. well. So I think they're really trying to examine policy issues that uh, they can look, look to do as much as they can um, in the next few months that are around national policies that play to their strengths and, and can potentially uh, improve their chances in the, in the October election. Yeah, we're... we're almost out of time, but that is something to explore is, is how big a role will environmental issues play in the next election? If we could wrap up with that pretty quickly, Richard? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree uh, with uh, with William there. I think that is, again, a play not unlike in, in Ontario, the, the way the Dalton McGuinty and Kathleen Wynne government, you know, they know, the Liberals know they've taken some hit to their national brand and their leaders' favorability across the country with SNC-Lavalin, etc., they're going to be trying to keep those left-of-center votes uh, is very much going to be a high priority for them to not see those left-of-center votes uh, spread out to the NDP and Greens. And so exactly why they're going to be looking at sort of big, noisy announcements that draw attention, things like a single-use uh, single plastic ban and so on. Again, practicality, whether actually you're going to deliver you know, uh, where that's going to be, a, that's a different story entirely. But those are the kinds of uh, noises they're going to try and make to try and keep uh, the NDP and the Greens on the mat. Okay. And William, I'll give you the last 20 seconds. Yeah, I agree with Richard. And I also will be interesting to see whether they use the, the last couple of weeks here of the, of the legislation to pass the bilateral or trilateral trade agreement as well uh, with the U.S. and, and Mexico. Uh, which would make a big splash and be a nice feather in the cap for Trudeau. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.